Welcome to Curious Not Furious. I'm Louise Brooks, parenting coach and family advisor and a mom of two. I support parents to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids through one-to-one sessions, online courses and workshops. And here, where I take on the hard questions and offer actionable strategies and inspiration that can help you in your parenting. Welcome back. In today's episode, I want to get a little bit more specific about this topic of independence that we explored in the previous episode. It's entitled Help My Child is Regressing. And if you haven't already, you can always pause this episode and go back and listen to that one before you listen to this. You could also just pick it up from here. It's absolutely fine. The thing I want to really explore in this episode is the one thing that we can sometimes end up getting a little bit wrong when we are in situations and in moments with our child where we're finally getting our kid to partake in, say, a house chore. And I want to share with you a common reason for why we'll see only sporadic desires to help us in this way and to be helpful and independent. And it's because of what we end up doing in that moment. So that will definitely be something you can embrace and implement straight away. The other thing I want to give you in this episode is a framework, a way of thinking about independence that can really help you in getting this journey started for your child, whatever your child's age. So whether you have a a very young child right now where you haven't done much in this department and you're starting afresh, or if you have a 12-year-old who could definitely be doing a whole lot more but isn't right now and you're ready to kind of reboot your, your attitude to independence in your house. So this episode will be very helpful in making sense of this and ensuring that you are going to succeed at inviting your child to cooperate a little bit more willingly around these things. Now, let me start here by sharing with you an example of what not to do. So the other day, I had a moment with my son where he was very keen to be with me and help and partake in what I was doing. And I happened to be making spaghetti bolognese. And at first I recognized the the willingness on his part and I decided, yes, let's go with it. What I hadn't really fully accepted about the situation was that I was up against a, a deadline I needed to get this done fast that day because we had other things to do afterwards. And I was having one of those days where, unbeknownst to myself, I had very little margin for any errors and I didn't really have a lot of capacity or extra bandwidth really to be patient and to teach and to slow down the pace of what I was doing in order to set my child up for success. So, of course, with an eight-year-old, there's a degree of coaching around how to handle a knife and all that kind of stuff. And he's usually pretty well-versed in how to do this. But given the fact that we are currently undergoing major housework and renovations, we are sort of 
having to cook in very interesting ways, meaning we have chopping boards sometimes resting on a pile of sheets and wood piles and stuff like that. That just means that the whole process is requiring a little bit more effort on my part. The mistake here that I made, and it's easily done, and there's no need to beat ourselves up about it, but the more we can be clear about our own capacity in a given situation and the more we can respect our own boundaries in a given day, the more likely we are to be clear on whether it's today and in this moment that we are going to insist or invite our child in to do things that we know is going to tax us further. So if at all possible, try and check in with yourself before you start inviting your child or insisting on your child doing house chores that you are actually going to very easily lose your temper about unless they're going to do completely to your plan or by a certain time. It's a really good idea to allow as much space around that activity as at all possible and be in a frame of mind where you yourself can deal with the delays and the hiccups that will invariably happen when we're trying to include kids in activities that take us far less time to do. It's a learning process. So I found out the hard way that I wasn't at all in the right frame of mind, but I was just so pleased that my child was willing to muck in. And I knew that the reason that he lost interest was because of my attitude around it. I became all the things that kind of turn kids off in terms of being helpful. I was doing a little bit too much correcting. I was hurrying him along. I was being very specific and he gave me excellent, very direct feedback and said, oh, mom, you've been so bossy around it. I find it boring. And, you know, kids just say it how it is. And he was probably right. I was all of those things. But the thing is, I had just chosen the wrong moment for myself. So check in with yourself. Have I chosen the right moment? Is this the right time? Do I have the capacity or whatever it takes for me to be able to show up in a way that I know is going to be conducive for my child to want to actually do this with me. That's a great place to start. A second little point I want to share with you is that when we then invite them into this chore we're doing, this task we're doing, that we want to include them in and maybe even begin to teach them. It's a really good idea to resist the urge to add too much complexity to the task we're asking them to do. Keep it simple. Keep it simple and set them up for success. The sooner they can feel that sense of success, the better. So not asking them to jump through too many hoops in order to feel like they're succeeding at it it's going to make them want to come back to that chore again because we want them to feel that mastery of this task is not miles off. It's something that feels positive and rewarding in and of itself in the moment and hasn't required a whole lot of correction on our part. So to give you an example, let's say you have decided that your child is going to hoover their own room or hoover the kitchen or hoover the front room, wherever you think is like an acceptable and appropriate amount of hoovering for your child to do in your house. So you give your child the hoover, you ask them to 
plug in the the Hoover in the in the plug socket and turn it on and and show them loosely how to Hoover. So you observe your child hoovering, and I would strongly encourage you to not observe your child hoovering as in staring at them as if you're trying to correct them, but sort of let them get on with it themselves. But you notice out of the corner of your eye that there are a fair amount of corners and skirting boards that are not even being touched with the hoover. And maybe there's a part of you that thinks, oh, you need to do that more thoroughly. And, you know, I'm going to have to redo it all afterwards. And, you know, if that comes up for you, you're not alone. We are all seeing the same things. But here it's a really good idea to take a deep breath, count to 10, and remind yourself that your child is in the process of learning. And the fact that they're doing the task and they're doing it without grumbling about it is what matters. And this way, it's a good idea to carry on leaving the task like that for about five goes. Let your child hoover his or her own way for about five times that way, where you don't add any corrections. And when you then find a moment a little bit later on where you feel like now I'm not I'm not having any battle getting my child to do the chore itself, you may add a little bit of constructive feedback or maybe add a little extra request while they're doing it and say, do you know what, next time you do it, it'd be really awesome if you can make it all the way over to the skirting boards. That way we make sure we get all the all the dirt off the floor. When we say it in a casual way this way, and we add this instruction on, not to begin with, but further down the line, what it means is our child has already banked a little bit of mastery, have acquired a sense of feeling helpful, and we stand a far better chance of them not giving up and saying, oh, it's boring, I don't really want to do it. So those are two things that we can bear in mind as parents um, to help our children and ourselves to ease this process of independence and encourage more helpfulness and family participation from our kids. Obviously, as I said in my previous episode, Help My Child is Regressing, the earlier we can begin this process, the better. But it all is not lost. This is a real key takeaway that all is not lost. But what we do need to bear in mind, if we come at this after habits have been formed and after for a long time, perhaps you have felt that you've been a servant around the house and that your children are not doing enough for themselves and you've had that realization that I should have maybe insisted on this earlier, I should have gone with it when the door was open, like I spoke about in that episode around the age of two and three, when we see a big desire to to be independent and to be helpful. No matter where you are in this journey, but especially if you're a little bit further down the line, Remember that it's going to be even more important that you create a lot of positive experiences and associations around the idea of helping and being independent. If we don't, we're likely going to see a lot more uh, power struggles around this particular part of family life. And we're most likely going to give up ourselves because we just find that it's going to create too much conflict. There's no doubt the topic of independence and raising children who are pro-social and who understands the value of teamwork and the fact that they are social, we're all social beings and we each have 
a unique contribution to make in our family life is one that many of us sort of Western families can find very difficult because we generally operate in a very different way to societies where, or previous generations maybe, if you think far back in our lineage, where each member of the family's contribution really did make a big difference. What we're seeing now in an industrialized and very Western and individualized culture is that many of the things that we ask our children to do for a long, long time are not actually going to be felt as help. Most likely for the first five to ten years of your child's life, what they contribute in the family is not necessarily going to make a real difference because many of the things are things that you can do in no time at all compared to how long it takes your child. But this is the reason why we need to get clear on why we're doing this. We're not doing it because it is going to necessarily create that difference and lighten our load in the short term. But we're going to have to consider the why as something that relates to a future, the kind of we wish for them to become, a mindset that we want to create in our children, but also so that we give them some confidence to be able to care for themselves, take responsibility for themselves first and foremost. And this is a nice little segue into the last thing I want to share with you in this episode, which is the framework that I spoke about in the introduction. The framework that can help us to get clear on what order we might need to focus on things in first. What I often see, and trust me, I've made this mistake myself, what I often see is that we go way too ambitious. We get way too ambitious to begin with and want to run ahead, full steam ahead, before we can even crawl. And it's natural, it's what we do when we get a little bit carried away or when fear drives the show. Where we where we are driven by fear as parents, we often get a bit unrealistic and overly ambitious and we end up just giving up. We end up setting ourselves up for failure. So in order not to do that, here's what I propose. Rather than getting your child to do a bunch of social chores, so things to do with the running of your household, start a different place. Start with your child's own world, your child's own body, your child's own space in the house and work from there. What this might look like is ask yourself first, okay, irrespective of my child's chronological age, which in this respect doesn't really matter, not as much as we might think, in comparison to peers or whatever we see and hear on the playground, put it aside and look at your specific child and try and relinquish and sort of park up for a minute any judgment and any sadness you might have or fear you might have around the fact that there are certain things your child is not yet able to do. What are your child's skills gaps? What can we focus on first that is going to set your child up for being more self-sufficient and actually boost your child's confidence in the process? What this looks like is Rather than perhaps in the beginning getting your child to do the hoovering of the front room and tidying up the front room and fluffing pillows, setting tables and sorting out the washing, ask yourself, is my child in the habit of making their own bed? Would they even know how to make their own bed? And if not, then that's a brilliant place to start. And the reason being 
that when our children can connect on a personal level with the difference that they've made, they can feel the difference, they can notice a difference that actually means something to themselves, they're much more likely to develop a strong habit around that feeling. This is the point where we would often maybe overly praise and share with our kids just how wonderful and amazing they are and lavish them with maybe a sticker or a marble or whatever we use as incentivizing those kind of behaviors. What's sometimes far more important here is that we help them to feel the difference that doing what they did made for them to their sense of being that's in that space. With my daughter the other day, she would tell me, uh, I asked her, why are you making your bed? And she said, because, oh, I get so stressed if my room is a mess. And the reason I think she says this is because we would often talk about, after I'd helped her tidy up when she was younger, I would ask her to tell me how she felt about being in the room now. And initially, I might even have said to something of how it made me feel. And I would say, oh, I just feel like a big, I could better breathe in this space. And I really feel like being here. And this felt very much like it was echoed for her. And now she begins to relate to her space. She's 10 years old now, but she begins to relate to her space as something she can affect in terms of the, the enjoyment she gets of that space because she can tweak certain things to make that space feel good as well as just be in a place where she hangs out. So this is the difference between extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation factors. And the more we can trust that our children are often a lot more willing to do things when they're intrinsically motivated, we could begin to add a bit more intrinsic motivation questions around it by asking them, hey, how does that feel to be in this room right now? It feels pretty good, doesn't it? And we can have conversations about that. So that would be one place to start. Another really obvious thing that we could do, and it when I say obvious, I don't mean that we should have thought about it ourselves before. Sometimes we just need to really take a step back and have conversations about this and really reflect. And there'll be many, many, many more examples of what could be true for you when you turn off this episode and you start reflecting on what's going on in your family. But I'm going to give another example from my own children's life and pertaining to their friends as well. And one being that around the age of seven, I remember my son had his best friend over for dinner and play and they were running in and out of the garden. And every time they would come back out in the garden again, I'd get a, a little, Louise, can you help me? And that would be my, my son's good friend who was asking me, can you come and tie my shoelaces? And you could tell that for this little boy that this was actually beginning to be a bit of a contentious issue for him you could see that he didn't really feel good about having to ask for that help that he could see in this case my son Miller was able to do by himself this boy was not unable to do it because he didn't have the dexterity to be able to do it this was the result of what we can so easily identify with right as parents that we are maybe pushing other things that are unrelated to our child's own care and own responsibilities, personal responsibilities, that we actually end up getting good at the outside stuff before we even are able to take care of the inside stuff. So you might resonate with that. You might, off the back of listening to this episode, see exactly where you perhaps have taken a step too far 
and a focus in on things that you could focus on maybe after teaching and involving your child in doing something that pertains more directly to themselves to begin with and fill out those skills gaps that our children sometimes have. If there's one thing I really want to convey with this episode is that these things take time. All change, all development take time and there isn't a rush and if we're late to the game we are not going to teach these skills faster by adding more pressure. This, the, the pace, the, the, uh, the process remains the same but what we could do to help ourselves is to be more mindful of creating some positive experiences around what we're asking them to do, criticize and correct a little bit less and be conscious of setting them up for success and for positive experiences around it. And what we're going to see is most likely that our child is going to grow in confidence from being able to do things for themselves. And remember that we're not necessarily doing this because it is an actual help in the here and now, but because we have our long-term value, vision, goals in mind. And that your child is perfect just as he or she is right now, as are you. Remember, when life throws you a curveball, when behavior gets a bit all over the place, your children's behavior feel a bit too triggering this week, remember to get curious instead of furious. And if you do get furious, try getting curious after. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have, please take one second to rate and review and follow the show. It really helps my podcast to reach as many parents as at all possible and get out there. Thank you very much in advance and have a lovely week.